You should probably just sing the song, the hyper dramatic song at the end. Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> the famous song where a baritone just bellows the title of the song. Bless your beautiful bride. DJ. I'm Damon. How you doing, Dames? Uh, uh, good. <laughs> Do you want to take that back? You want to no, try something No, you else? know what? I'm going to stick the landing. Uh, I am very excited that we are covering The Princess Bride today. Thank you. Uh, the sequel, the, the fifth sequel was just Princess Bride. Right. But this one's The Princess well, there's Bride. there's two bride, two princess. <laughs> that one's good. Yeah. Princess Bride, Tokyo Drift. I don't know why mm. Bow Wow played the princess, yeah, but, you know, weird. whatever. It's weird because Carrie Elwes and Robin Wright were not in it. <laughs> yeah. For some reason. Ludacris and Bow Wow played Wesley yeah. and uh, Buttercup. Um, this Buttercup. Is a, this is a movie from 1987 that I know very well. This is, like, this is why we were just talking about this before we started rolling. Like, this is one of the first in this series of podcast episodes where I now I know this movie. It's like, just called a podcast. <laughs> you don't have to call it a series of podcast limited, episodes. If you mean the whole run of our podcast, it's a limited series. <laughs> Matthew Currently McConaughey makes several appearances. iteration. Uh, but I know this movie kind of really well. Like it was a big deal in my childhood, but I've also seen it a lot up to this point. I quote it all the time. My parents like this movie. They quote it all the time. Like, this is just fun for the whole family. And I I know that it's going to hold up because I have seen it pretty recently. Well, I hate this movie. Is that true? No. Oh, okay. I love this movie. Yeah. We got Carrie Elwes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Robin Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking fine, if oh, I do. Oh, okay. Oh, well, you know what? I'll go back. Carrie Elwes looking yeah. fine. And uh, I got to say, Robin Wright. Still looking fine to this day. Yeah. The she neck, does have the, the neck thing. She does have the Helen Hunt neck thing, but but <laughs> she looks great. You know what I like to do? Pick apart women's physical traits. I like to draw attention to people's tendons. <laughs> you know who else does? Robin Wright's neck. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, but also, just to be fair, uh, Carrie Elways has devolved into normal man. You would not be able to pick yeah, him out of a yeah, lineup. Yeah, he just looks like... A, a guy. guy. A guy, yeah. He looks like the platonic form of man. Yeah. Um, we got Wallace Shawn, uh, first person in the history of humankind who was listed in a hospital record with his last name first, and then it stuck. <laughs> is that You're a good he joke? Was born... Is that a good joke? That I don't know. Too far it to took get me to. a while. It took too far. It was like one of those jokes long. that's more clever than funny, and you're just sort of sitting there <laughs> for like is... five minutes going, oh. That is on brand for me, though. <laughs> you got to give me that. Uh, we got Andre the Giant. Yeah. We got Mandy Who was also, that same thing happened to him. His name is legally the Giant Andre. The Giant Andre, yeah. Uh, can can understand about 20% of what he says in this movie. Yeah. Andre the Giant. Deserves a rewatch. That's why most yeah. people have rewatched it, just so they can get Fezzig's lines. Yeah. Just down. Maybe our friend Close Captioning can, can help us out. Uh, we got a cameo by uh, Billy Crystal. Yeah. Carol Kane. Carol Kane. 
We got, I, I keep just putting two fingers out. I'm just counting two people over and over again. Uh, we got, uh, like Maddie said, uh, Mandy Patinkin. We got, um, who else is in this? Uh, Peter Cook. Yeah. Columbo. That's Columbo, right? No, that's Peter Falk. Oh, Peter Falk. Okay. Peter Who's... Falk and Ben Savage. Peter Cook is a British actor. Ben and... Savage. Thank you very much. What did I say? Ben, ben Savage? Savage. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, Peter Cook is a British actor and comedian. Um, you will know him as the impressive clergyman of this movie. Okay. Uh, that's the, the part that my mom. Everyone to likes to quote yeah. that one. Um, love, true love. True love. Uh, don't make fun of people with lisps. Princess Bride. That's more of a speech impediment, impediment right? Well, it's an Elispa type of speech impediment. It is, but it's not what he has. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I thought you were... Okay, I got it. Um, There's someone else in this that I like, and that person is <laughs> Christopher Guest. Yes. Yeah. Christopher Guest in his uh, most menacing role... I mean, I guess if you count a person named Tyrone, it's menacing. Uh, he's very menacing. He's got six fingers. On one oh, of so people of deformities are menacing. Gotcha, journalism. Damn it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, he was pretty menacing as Corky. Um, <laughs> gotta give him that. Just gave me nightmares. You're bastard people. Um, what, what do you recall when you first watched this movie? Um... It I was not in the theaters. I think I must have seen it. Like I know we had it on VHS, uh, and it was like one of those that it was probably on TV by the yeah. time by because it came out in eighty seven. So yeah, by the late eighties, eighty eight, eighty nine, I had definitely seen it several times. I think right. I think and, this might be the first movie that I recognized what a cult movie might be. Right, because this I think if memory serves. I, why would I say if memory serves? Like I was like running accounting for Warner Brothers. <laughs> um, as a kid, I think I realized, like, oh, no one saw this movie. Like, when I was a kid and we would be quoting it, and I'm like you, like, my parents love this movie, my brother yeah. and I love this movie. I think we saw it, you know, rented it from the the video store. Take two video in Xenia, right. Ohio. It's Showtime video, yeah. exclamation point, but after Showtime, not after video. Um, <laughs> it's Showtime, comma, video. Come on, video. <laughs> Get in here. Let's fix robots. Jump in the VCR. Let's get this going. Um, <laughs> so if you were to describe this movie to someone who hadn't seen it, how would you do that? I would say it's a fantasy comedy romance, but not a romantic comedy and not really all that fantastical. I was going to say, it's like barely a fantasy. It, we, like, we covered this in Willow a little it. bit. Like, yeah. Because it, it does have some, you know, the rodents of unusual size. It has like the kind of fairy tale vibe. But it a is, miracle wizard? Yeah. But it is it is barely in that genre. Right. It's mostly a, a comedy, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is very, I mean, that's what hooks, I think that's what hooks everyone in. The kids love the comedy. Hijinks. And I don't know, your parents love the romance? Mom probably loved the Wesley. Well, wow. he's very handsome. And you forget how handsome, and then you watch the first part of the movie again, and it just like rains down upon you. <laughs> oh, gross. You, if you, <laughs> just like from one s- single source, but it hits you like in the face and chest area. Okay, all right. All right. Um, so we have this. Wait, have you read oh, the book? Sorry. I have not read the book. I have read the book. Tell me about that. Thank you. Um, 
Thank you, uh, Hofstra University, for hosting <laughs> this debate. Um, it's a really... I, I started it, and, and at first I was very confused because I didn't know how the book was set up. I knew from the credits of this movie, having watched it 6,000 times, that the guy who wrote the book wrote the screenplay. So I'm right. like, it can't be that old of a book. But the whole thing is written... It's a very meta book. Like, the okay. opening, like... Uh, prologue is william golding am i saying that right i don't know is william golding who wrote lord of the flies and i'm thinking of someone else and by william goldman goldman william goldman william golding wrote lord of the flies also a good book so check it out (laughs) um william goldman uh the whole prologue is from his perspective, and he's literally talking about, I wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, oh. um, which he did. I mean, that's not a made-up fact for right. the book. I like and, that you could just say that. And he starts <laughs> reminiscing about, that's true, it's a nice little, hey, you know what, I'm just going to mention, <laughs> I wrote this. Um, he mentions in the book that he remembers his grandfather reading to him from this book, and he starts, like, it starts to get weird, and then he, in the book the grandfather reading to the son is him reminiscing about his grandfather reading it to him. Okay. And his grandfather is Florentine, uh, like in the, the Florin and Gilder in the, in the movies, the fake. So it's very weird. And they excise, like he skips parts. He's like, okay, this is part where, uh, they talk about princess buttercup's hat collection. And I'm going to skip these 50 pages because it just keeps going on. Like the grandfather will keep like in the, in the, the movie. movie yeah but it is very interesting um how it's created and i remember being very confused when i started reading it because i was like when does it get to the part about the princess bride like i forgot how the movie is framed right and while reading the book i was like i kept getting like when are we gonna get to the fireworks factory you were playing yeah fred savage's part <laughs> exactly i fell right into my role um is it worth reading would you it's say? funny it's yeah. uh, uh yes okay I mean, like any book, it's it just adds a lot of depth to it. But it's it's fun. All right. Go check that out at your public library. <laughs> it's fun? What's wrong with me? Okay, so, Damon, you have this movie on Doi Vadoi. Yeah, that is so accurate. So we'll be watching it on digital video disc. Uh, I think it it's currently on HBO. It's currently on HBO if you have that, uh, which you can get through Amazon if you don't have that. Either um, go or now. Either HBO service. I don't know what they're doing over there anymore. So just grab those where it's you can. It's not TV. It's a bunch of weird apps. <laughs> All right. We're going to watch the movie. We'll be back in just a sec. We're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash idiot. What can you do there? Damon? Uh, thank you. Um, you can check the weather. You can check your stock feeds. No, You can also... You're thinking don't... of apps on your phone. Oh, okay. You're Which, right. There might be a Patreon app. I don't know. I should probably check that out. I think chances are there's a Patreon app. But if you go to patreon.com slash you can support the podcast. Oh, that... Okay. So you were sort of coming at it at an You angle. give us I was money. Sorta... And we give you kudos. <laughs> you can have your name written in the credits. You can have your name read in the credits. Support the podcast. You'll oh. get some uh, cool stuff. Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. I thought we were done. So I started singing. 
<laughs> we both slowed down for each other, which caused us to sort of stop. It's called a retardando. Oh, I don't, I don't think we're. Sarah Palin told us we weren't supposed to say that anymore. Um, is that true? No. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, we're back. We're back. We watched The Princess Bride. Damon, because I'm very bad at it and you're less bad at it, will you please you. recap you. this movie for the folks at home that maybe didn't get a chance you're to right, watch DJ, it? You're right, DJ. I am great at it. Um, <laughs> this is a movie uh, with a framing device uh, with uh, Fred Savage of Not Boy Meets World fame. He's known for not being in that. Yeah. Um, he's sick at home. His grandpa comes to read him a book. That book is, wouldn't you know it? The princess bride. And, uh, then, uh, in the book, in the narrative of the book, we meet buttercup. She falls in love with a hottie boom body, Wesley, who goes off to sea and dies. And then, uh, five years later, she gets engaged to a prince, a smirky prince. Uh, but then she's kidnapped by three, uh, wastrels. In the forms of Vecini, Inigo, and Fezzig. And, uh, but while she's being kidnapped, she is kidnapped twice over by a man in black that she discovers is Dread Pirate Roberts, who killed her beau, Wesley. Don't get used to that name because it turns out it was Wesley all along. What? And then uh, she's rescued, quote, quote, from Wesley, even though she wants to be with him now because she found out that her long dead Wesley is alive. So not so long dead. Short dead, in a way, in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, five years dead? I could do that in my sleep. Prince, Prince Humberdink uh, oh, captures yeah. her back. Yes. Uh, he, which uh, now is kind of more kidnapping than the original kidnapping because she wanted to stay with... Sort of like Is a, it Stockholm Syndrome? Kind of. Yeah. But yeah. different because she actually knew him. Anyway. Yeah. Who's doing this recap? Sorry, I was trying to help out. Um, but everything you said is By accurate. distracting you. <laughs> Anyway, they kidnap Wesley. They put him in the pit of despair, try to kill him. And uh, Inigo decides that he's going to get Wesley, now that Vecini's dead, to go help them uh, rescue Princess Buttercup and get revenge on the six-fingered man who turns out to be is like the secretary of state of this fake country. He's Nigel from Spinal Tap. Yada, yada, yada. They save the day. Yeah. And I guess, and they meet they Miracle Max. Romance. Oh yeah, ages. they fall in love, or well, they, they Mir- re-fall in love. Miracle Max brings uh, Wesley back from the dead, mostly dead, mostly dead, because he is tortured by uh, in the pit of despair and basically almost dies. And then and he's he go, rescued. And he go and Fezzik takes him take him to uh, Miracle Max, who was played by Billy Crystal. And they bring him back to life, and then they storm the castle, save the princess. Happily ever after. Yeah. And then we it's get the back Princess to Bride. Fred Savage. Oh, right. And then, then we realize the grandfather and grandson love each other. Mm, that's nice. Which was assumed, honestly. Don't you remember when your grandfather used to come over and read stories to you when you were sick? Whole books? Remember when he would read just whole books Whew. to you all day? Whew. No. A book but my is, grandpa lived in Pennsylvania, so it's... It takes me three years to get through a book, so... That's why it was so dark out when he left. Yeah. It Makes was sense. winter. The <laughs> earth had tilted away from the sun. I think there's something seriously wrong with that kid if he's missing that much school. <laughs> so this is a Rob Reiner joint, which I didn't really realize until uh, we watched the movie. 
And we ill-advisedly watched some behind-the-scenes extras. You, we watched some, uh, there because you have the doy of a doy, we yep. watched uh, some special feats, some special feats, and uh, we watched a behind-the-scenes thing that made me realize that <laughs> maybe Rob Reiner is not the sharpest tool in the box. He's, uh, he's an auteur. He's, a, he's an artist. He's done a lot of great movies. Said a lot of dumb things. <laughs> Uh, DJ, what are you talking about? I think he had really wonderful insights, such as they make they make movies out of books. Yeah, that's one thing he said, and I was like, "Wow, he's right. They do do that." He was like, "I had made two movies, and I wanted to make another movie, and I was like, they make movies out of books. Let's see some books. Like that's literally that's paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said." Janine, bring in some books in here. I want to read some and make some movies. What else did he say? Uh, he said a couple of other things. He was very way. blown away by blood sausage. Well, that was yeah, yeah, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, he also mentioned there, else in there. there were no, there were no, there are no castles in America, so you got to go over to England or you Europe get, or, or somewhere Europe over there. Or somewhere over there. He's he's a location scout. <laughs> I'll tell you where we're not going to find this location: America. Um, I you know what I. I was tricked once. I looked it up in the yellow pages, headed over there, and while it is called a White Castle, it was not the location I was looking for. <laughs> and I said, I think we're going to have to update my passport. Uh, Lauren made a really good point. This is one of the uh, one of the first times a, a movie that I love become became a little bit less loved once I watched <laughs> behind the scenes. Um, we begin uh, with. Uh, the first charming thing that I've noticed, most of my notes here are just quotes. And I, I tried to stick to quotes that I've used in everyday life. Okay. So that uh, if you want to use them, listener or Damon, you know, you can see this can need, be done. I don't need. Oh, okay. I thought this you were giving be me permission to no, use No, no, no. You don't need my permission. I'm saying, I'm just saying this is one that might be useful to you. <laughs> um, but I can't be, wait to find out. <laughs> again, uh, Inigo, uh, played by Mandy Patinkin, and uh, Fezzik, played by Andre the Giant, are doing a little bit of a rhyming bit back and yeah. forth. Fezzik is, is calmed down by, a, he's a, has a gift for rhyme, and yeah. when he gets anxious, Inigo uh, lays some sweet old fat softballs his way for him to rhyme. Yeah, and it's, and it's charming uh, because they're rhyming at each other, but also because you can't really understand what and- Andre the Giant is saying. But you can uh, work backwards from the rhyme. Exactly, yeah. And you're like... Uh, Okay, he said time. Okay, I get it. Yeah. It's nice. That is great. I wish he rhymed all the time. That way I would understand. <laughs> I could, through context, figure <laughs> Just pause the movie every... Okay, now... Okay, okay I, I got it. it. I get it, I get it. Uh, one of the things I love about this movie, and it did remind me of the book in this same way. The book is written... I think I misspoke during the first part, but the book oh. is written... <laughs> With William Goldman trying to find this book that his grandfather wrote from. Ah. And when he finally finds it, he decides to transcribe it from the language it was written in, I think. Oh. Um, and uh, so the book is sort of written from him editing in the editing process. And you see him like write notes on the side and stuff like thing, things like that. One of the things I like about this movie is that there is almost no attempt... Unlike Willow, which we just watched, there's no attempt for anyone to sound like they're from another time. Everyone speaks in the cadence of like a modern speaker. Yeah. Um, anybody want a peanut like that is yeah. not something someone would casually say. Uh, or in like the way they talk, it's very informal. And um, like, yeah. for example, when uh, Prince Humperdinck gets one upped in the end, um, 
He drops his accent. He drops yeah. his accent all of a sudden. He yeah. says, I knew he was bluffing. I knew he was bluffing. Yeah. Um, it's a very charming trait of the movie. And it, I, I think it was a very wise way of like bringing that sort of uh, sense of humor from the book into the movie in a yeah. very naturalistic way. Yeah, it's a very uh, free-flowing humor throughout. Like it's right. not it's not a forced this is a comedy. It's wacky. Of course it is wacky and it is a comedy, but like it's it's a very easygoing like everything, every little bit and and that's one of the things where people don't have to they have accents, but they're not speaking in the stilted dialogue where they also have to try to be funny and right. say things like I thumb my nose at thee or something like that, <laughs> you know. It can be difficult to do. Shakespeare, what a hack, am I right? <laughs> you call this funny? Get out of here. <laughs> Uh, I get it. He's a donkey. What else you got? And I, I do want to. I I also think I need I need to revisit what we talked about in the beginning uh, about this not quite being a fantasy uh, movie or in the fantasy genre, which I agree with. But I think it falls very neatly into the the intentional fairy tale. Like it's a it's a oh, right. send up of a fairy tale, which I think falls under the somewhere in the Venn diagram of fantasy. But it's not. It's a very specific kind of thing. It's a story. It's a company under book. the under the parent company, the Umbrella Corp of yeah, fantasy. Well, right. So one of the things that 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 feeds into that is the sort of low budget that they were working with, and mm-hmm. and like it's very apparent in the sets of like the. Uh, this is why sometimes you just should not watch the featurette behind the scenes featurettes <laughs> because they were talking about how they're like some of these things were sets, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it looks like a high school play. I know. Um, but that's also very charming when you're talking about a fairy tale. It's supposed to be like a thing that like I'm I'm imagining that this is Fred Savage's character's imagination. You know what I mean? This is him imagining this story. But then wouldn't it look better? Well, he's a kid. He's stupid. <laughs> he's still got the soft part at the top of his skull. Yeah. Um The Fontenelle. I think um I think you're right. I mean, part of me is like, well, they did travel to England. They're doing some location right. stuff, yeah. and there's some really nice vistas during the the first part where Prince Humperdinck is on their trail, and they're running along these ridges in northern England, and yeah. it looks very nice. And then there's other, part, other parts where they're obviously in a studio tank, yeah, uh, or there's parts where they're... You know, obviously model boats moving into a model harbor with, right. yeah. you know, a sunset just two feet away. Uh, from the camera sometimes i even feel like i saw wrinkles in the backdrop yeah of the sky yeah. um so yeah it can be a, it, it sort of gets better as the movie goes on especially that first part of the movie uh during the kidnapping sequence yeah, like the chased. first act yeah uh some of those sets can be really mm, guys and i don't know sometimes that's oh we cleaned up the dvd and now it looks a lot shittier than it would have on like in the theater right and I, I don't honestly think it matters whether it was intentional or not, whether they like were going for the story, but like, obviously they're playing into the storybook thing in general, but like it works for me. Like it doesn't, yeah. like I, I see that and I go, that looks terrible, but it works. You know what I mean? It's not like you see a big budget, uh, thing where there's an alien on, on, and it's clearly CGI and it kind of takes you out of it. Like this doesn't right. take me out of it at all. No, it wasn't. I, it did distract me a little bit, uh, especially cause later on it's it gets it changes it's not all sets like i don't know i watched the mary poppins trailer recently the new mary poppins trailer and they replicate sort of the sets from the old one Mm -hmm. to like keep in the theme and i'm like okay that kind of works so that they look like similar movies and it is 
I don't know. That doesn't bother me, for example. Yeah. But this bothered me because it's half in, half out. And right. the, at the in, meaning in the studio, is like, oof. You can really tell when they're got a model climbing up real cliffs and then all of a sudden it, you know, cuts to a boat, a toy boat in a harbor. Where did it like work better for you? Like what what in the second half or what? Well, they just sort of stopped doing those big set pieces that they they were like at a castle. Right. They're at a real castle or they're, you know, there's a real castle in the distance or they're in the woods. (laughs) Yeah. Just get some woods. Yeah. Just get them around you. Um, I think that's just the limit to how the story worked. They just sort of lucked out in the second half doesn't require those big set pieces. Right. But I mean, it's also the 80s. And I bet the studio was also like, uh, we fantasy movies aren't really big right now. So here's yeah. what you get. Yeah. It just distracted me, I think, more than it bothered you. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't think yeah. you're a bad person. Well, I mean, I am, but not for that reason. <laughs> oh, God. Cliffs of Insanity. I just wrote that. I don't know what else. <laughs> While we're on the subject of the first half of the movie, yeah, uh, we did talk about how Wallace Shawn is a tour de force. That's what oh my god, screaming! He's, at he's the a TV. he's a hurricane man. He's amazing in this. Uh, that's another example of like the Caden. Like he doesn't even bother with an accent. He's yeah. just like I'm going to be Wallace Shawn in this movie. Thank you. Yeah, everything he says makes me laugh. That's he's so good. Angry at every moment, um, which is great. I love it when characters are angry. He has sort of like the littlest mobster. He's got like something to prove. He's got like a Napoleon complex. Uh Um, It's a very George Costanza vibe as well. That is is pre-George Costanza, but still. Uh, He's a proto-George Costanza. I will say, though, like in, in... uh, as a criticism of the movie, though, when he dies, and he dies at the end of the first act, the movie does sort of lose something. It does, yeah. Um, And, I mean... Inigo and Fezzik are great characters, as well as Prince Humperdinck and uh, Count Rugen, Tyrone, um, the six-fingered man. Um, but he he is such a strong character, and yeah. he really dominates that whole first act. Yeah. Uh, you really only meet Prince Humperdinck sort of as the first act is winding down. Right. And you lose Vicini so soon that it, it sort of, there is like sort of a vacuum in the movie for a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think everybody, like, there's no one who I would call a weak point as far as, like, the acting, the actual execution goes, but the the Wesley Buttercup, like, they're, that is the most boring part of the, yeah. I mean, maybe it's because I'm, I am Fred Savage in this area <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, the kissing, blah, 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 blah. And it's not that they don't have chemistry, like, as, as very beautiful people, but it's just like, that's the most boring part Will of the story. Will these beautiful people end up together? Yeah. People want to know. I, I did notice, like, watching it, trying to be more critical because this is a movie I love. I was trying to be like, okay, what if I were going to watch this for the first time? And it does, as soon as uh, Ventini goes away, like, in the middle, sort of middle of the movie, into the first act, as you mentioned, it's like, it's a little bit draggy here. Like, yeah. we're trying to figure out, like, he's um, being dragged away to be tortured, and Buttercup is dragged back, and then she's threatening to kill herself over and over again. <laughs> and, like, I mean, it it gets there eventually, but yeah, there is a part in the middle. It's a lull for sure. Well, we also, I mean, after that, we also lose Inigo and Fezzig. Right. They disappear. almost the entire second act. Yeah. They're missing, and they come back near the end of the second act. So we are really, all of a sudden, with Prince Humperdinck, who we don't really know. Yeah. um, And uh, the Six-Fingered Man. Yeah. And with Wesley and Buttercup. I think Wesley is sort of established as a character. He has sort of a smart-alecky vibe. Um, he's certainly easy on the eyes. Um, but he's also tortured and is also silent. Right. He's, he's also dead. like yeah. trapped in the pit of despair and buttercup. 
I'm a little torn about Buttercup. I think she has some good qualities. She's like really, you know, against Prince Humperdinck. She's not, well, she, she's not entirely a damsel in distress. She really right. does like call him out on his shit. Right. Um, a lot of times and, and uh, succeeds in a lot of ways. Like he, he, in his scheme, he needs to keep her alive so he can frame another country for her murder. So he doesn't want to like Go to damage yeah. that. Um, but on the other hand, like sh- she's constantly like, well, the only way out of this is for me to kill myself. I can't have the man I love, even though I was about to marry this other guy. I guess I'll just kill myself in the end. Right. Um, which it's not a great look. Yeah. And also like during her rescue, um, with Wesley, um, the scene in the fire swamp, you know, she's just constantly being moved around like furniture by Wesley. Yeah. Um, which is played for a bit. And right. It is, it's played for a bit. Funny, but, uh, you know, also, there's yeah. a clicking sound that before this big fire spurt comes up and, and he would like, at first it's like this thrilling moment because she catches on fire. And then later on, they, they sort of get used to it as they're walking through the fire swamp and this clicking ha- would happen. He'd pick her up, move her to the other side. And then this big fire spurt would come up and they wouldn't even break, you know, What's break a rhythm yeah. in their conversation. Yeah. But it's still a little bit like damsel in distress kind of, one of the things in movies that drives me insane was when like a woman is about to be attacked by, in this case, an animal. Um, she has various tools around her and the writer's like, and then she screams for the man. Yeah. And I'm like, well, she would probably pick something up. And she right? even is holding a log when they're fighting. <laughs> she just the sort of and pokes, pokes at, at it. it. She could have slacked that thing on the head. Really so I, I think there's uh buttercup is almost a character. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I, she she also gets lost in this in her own movie. She and Wesley both yeah. almost get lost in their own movies, almost completely subsumed by side characters. But her especially, I wish she was sort of m- more made into a more concrete like these. This is what Buttercup's about. This is what she's like, right? You know, on her own. And they do they do a better like it's not a terrible job, but like. This is definitely falls under the category of one of those movies that tells you more about why these two love each other than actually yeah. shows you. Like it's like they are so dedicated dedicated to each other, but all we've seen is her boss him around, and he loves it, and him he's just a like glutton sort of for punishment. It. So I don't know, maybe it's a you know S and M kind of thing. I don't maybe, know. yeah, I don't know. But uh, I, hey, uh, more power to you. <laughs> well, more power to one of you, right? By definition, that's a high five. Um, yeah, I, I think. Almost the the movie does. I, I wrote in my notes that I feel like they could have spent a few more minutes on their love story and maybe right. actually care about them being together. Yeah. Um, but because when they actually end up together in the fire swamp, I'm like, they don't have that great of a chemistry aside from being absolutely stunning looking people. They're both, they're both very good. Um, yeah. that, that I'm like, oh, these two have to be together. Yeah. Um, isn't that it's enough? not horrible. Isn't that enough? I mean, it's 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 fifty percent of it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I, I feel like that could have been established and really just made them into a really winning, like charming couple. And I, I would You'd have be been done. Board. I'd be yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, it doesn't get. There. <laughs> I would have melted. <laughs> I would have creamed my jeans. <laughs> jeans. Don't blame the jeans. They're the victims in this. Um, I have to say before we get too far past the first act, so. Uh, really stick. I'm glad I brought in the act, uh, designations. I definitely always think of movies and acts. I never do until you say it. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, that was. Yeah, me. that's kind of, yeah, the, the action was rising. You're right. That is how movies work. Um, so when, uh, 
Wesley in the form of the man in black is chasing uh, Fessick and Inigo and Ventini. They have kidnapped Buttercup and they're climbing up the cliffs of insanity. Then once man in black chase follows them and gets up to the top, he and Inigo have this amazing sword fight. Yeah. And um, when I was in high school, I was in a... uh, This is going to be great. I was in a show choir. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our teacher would let us like... um, um, smoke <laughs> no uh she would let us like propose ideas like you know of what could be in the show of a cool thing and there was this i can't remember it was like we were doing this song from some musical that i've still never seen but it was like kind of from this same sort of fairy tale-ish vibe and so uh my friend will hendrick and i what's up will uh we learned a lot of this sword fight with like Dell the actual rods. choreography? Yeah. Okay. Um, not the not the flips and the stuff. <laughs> and we also, like, it's a very long sword fight. And mm-hmm. also it has, like, snippy dialogue. And when obviously we weren't doing any of that because it was, like, part of – it was to set up the next – the song that we were going to do in the show. Uh, so we, in my basement, had, like, these two dowel rods. And we learned a good portion of this. We uh, I remember uh, – had to tell my dad that we uh, uh, damaged one of the ceiling tiles in the basement. <laughs> with our, uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, that's uh, one of my memories. I was surprised. I watched a video recently. Vulture has like a series where they'll have like accent experts, you know, rate yeah, different I've accents. Seen those. And they had a swordplay expert rate different sword fighting scenes in movies. And when they showed The Princess Bride, I was all ready for them, him to like tear it apart. Yeah. Because. You know, this it's kind of like, uh, we're gonna sort of make a half fantasy movie, we're gonna right. sort of make it on clumsy sets and but he was like, No, this is great. And I was like, Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good it's a really entertaining sword fight. And I'm somebody who doesn't really care about I'm not like into the swashbuckling sword fights. Like some people would just like like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like watching that and I'll watch old Errol Flynn movies or whatever, but like I don't really care about that and I really like this one. I think it's I think it's great. There you go. I uh I couldn't agree more. Ten swords out of ten swords. <laughs> you keep using this word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Uh, it's a great line. That is a yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that he just doesn't. That's the only time Vincini never says anything. He just I, he just looks at him. It's almost the line that's so quoted that when you bring up the Princess Bride and someone quotes it, you're like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amateur. You know a Beatles song a, I like? Yesterday. <laughs> Fuck off. Give me a deeper cut than that if you want to be if you want to be cool. But it is it's a very modern like and by modern I mean it seems like a line that would be in something like not even the Simpsons but like something like Family Guy where right. you would yeah. have this running gag and right when the audience was picking up that this guy was saying this a lot the character in the show would call him out right. on it. Um it's a very modern thing to do. See, so yeah, I kind of meta which yeah, this movie is very meta in in any way, but so it fits the vibe of the whole thing, I think. Yeah, and obviously the 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 quote that a lot of people know is because he says it a million times is Inigo Montoya. My hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. I'm not even gonna say that's it, a but, great way to get a catchphrase going. Is yeah, just say it, just say it a bunch of times. times. It's like a chorus in a song. <laughs> get stuck in your head. Um, I did one of the things I noticed this time around. Um. Christopher Guest almost has a Miranda Priestly vibe from Devil Wears Prada in that yeah. he never raises his voice. Yeah. And it makes him a little bit creepier. Yeah. He actually does a very good job playing a villain. Yeah. Um, He's creepy, man. Just always talking like this. 
if you haven't got your health, you which makes it even more fun when like he finally gets in that showdown in the hallway with an ego and he's like sitting there and like they're they've got their swords drawn and he just runs away. It's so <laughs> effective because it's true because you never saw him fight and yeah. then when you see him be a coward, you're like, oh, of course he's this sadist. He's built a torture machine. He kills essentially Wesley, uh, almost uh, like he's a very like evil dude and he's got like you said he's got the the soft demeanor but he's very bad and then he's like oh he's a coward right he killed someone that's why he kills people who are already damaged yeah exactly uh and he the only time he does raise his voice is uh stop saying that yeah uh when we hear inigo montoya's monologue he's experienced fear for the first time (laughs) and that is a very well-crafted scene uh in that i i noticed this for the first time uh watching it this time uh but at the end when uh, inigo has him sort of cornered uh he says offer me money and he says yeah sure and he's like offer me power he's like all that i have and more and i realize like inigo is like sort of like coaching him on how he's always imagined this going right um and i thought that was a great it was yeah. very effective. That whole scene, well, maybe not very effective because it's the first time I've seen it. I've seen this movie like double digits. So, well, I remember ever, like even bad show. Princess Bride. Th- this is indelible to me. Like, and I felt it again watching it when he so Inigo chases uh, chases him like into this great hall, this like dining hall, and as soon as he comes around the corner, uh, he throws a knife into his in Inigo's stomach. Also cowardly. Yeah, like so he's like waiting for him to to show his face, and so it's it's gutting. I mean, literally, but it's also like <laughs> emotionally gutting because you're like, uh, like obviously I've seen the movie a hundred times, I know what happens, but like when you don't know what's gonna happen, you're like, oh fuck, man! Like mm. he spent his whole life preparing for this guy. This guy is evil. He totally deserves whatever he's gonna get. He killed his dad. He's been training for it. He's like gone through all this shit to get here, and then he just gets stabbed in the stomach and he's gonna die and then of course he he does rally and come back and kills him but like still he like, rallies from you know getting cut in the intestines i know yeah we're, we were all saying at the end of the movie where they're like what are you gonna do now and i go and he's like well he's gonna die in like an hour <laughs> sepsis at least for sure. is gonna get him not great he better go visit miracle max on his way yeah. out of town too yeah i hope miracle max knows about bacteria <laughs> uh i will say one more criticism and i, I will say I'm criticizing this movie a lot because I watched this 6,000 times growing up. So I know this movie backwards and forwards, and I know that I like it. So I yeah, sort of looked right. for things yeah. that were a little bit same, same here. Yeah. fuzzy. Um, there were a lot of leaps of logic in this story that I hooked into this time around, and that it's not explained how any of these characters know this. It's just sort of like Fezzik knows that the six-fingered man lives in the castle. I'm like, how does he know that? Right, where did he get that information? Yeah, um, and it's just like, well, we need Fezzik to know it, so he can sort of get Inigo on his little, you know, revenge fantasy. Um, also, Inigo knows that Wesley loves Buttercup, and when he's uh, walking yeah. through the village, he's like, "Oh, his true love is marrying another tonight." I'm like, "What are you talking about? What the fuck do you know from Adam?" Uh, and then finally, uh, Inigo knowing that Wesley uh, is screaming. This when Wesley is tortured on the yeah, thing. He does screams, the Tie Fighter scream. Rain. <laughs> Throughout the uh, kingdom. I don't know if you heard me. It sounds a lot like a TIE fighter when he's. Yeah, comes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought a TIE for my dad. And he's fought with it because he can't oh, no. make an eye. So there's this, this movie called Star Trek. 
And there are these. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm obviously um, kidding. <laughs> I know exactly what it is. Yeah, twin ionic engine. We know. Uh, but uh, he knows that those are Wesley's screams. I'm like, why would he know that? Well, you know, he's got the superpowers. Yeah, so it was, uh, I mean, it doesn't distract, but it was like, you could have given me something, some reason that Fezzik knows all this. Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, morons. He's so really good. fantastic. I'm having a hard time not just just saying quotes. Um, That's all I got, by the way. That's all my things. Quotes? Cro- no, oh, all just, my things. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the only big point that I wanted to talk about is um, the music. Jesus Christ. I came here today to talk about the word, and the word is God. Um, No, the music. So the music is done by Mark Knopfler uh, of Dire Straits fame. He's a sultan of swing. Which one is he in Dire Straits? He's the main one, singer and guitar player. Dire. He's the dire, yeah. Um, And the guitar stuff is beautiful, actually. It's it's that what we were singing at the beginning. But there's also a lot of like MIDI instruments. Yeah. And it sounds when they do like fanfare, like uh which fits the 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 music itself, like the actual written music, like fits totally. It's it's but the sounds of it are very cheesy and very so MIDI is like fake instruments, right? Mm-hmm. They're synthesized instruments. And it the sounds, I had a Muppet Baby's keyboard growing up. Okay, I think yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. And so the synth the synthesized instruments have gotten a lot better, but in the eighties they were very bad if you played like especially trumpet and some strings were okay sometimes uh but the horns are were pretty bad and that's uh-huh. what all these sounds are where they're like bop, 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 bop. that's why it sounds so weird and cheesy yeah and and also i think it's great because it's that same thing for me even though it, i i hear it and i'm like oh that is a terrible sounding quote unquote trumpet it's the same thing as the sets being kind of weird and the same mm-hmm. like oh that that styrofoam boulder just rolled over you know <laughs> like you can kind of see it and to me it kind of fits that whole storybook thing too because it's like you you like open a pop-up book and it makes that midi sound to me like it, it all kind of fits together for me but i mean also mark Knopfler wrote the lyrics to the song which we did not listen to you turned it off before it goes but the song is oh there's lyrics oh dj there's lyrics oh no that's what I was saying. Yeah, there's lyrics. Do you want to listen to it? Yeah. Anyway, yikes! You're right. Uh, we just we just listened to the the song that it is. It only uh, comes during the 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 credits, so that's fine. If you that's leave, why I if didn't you leave soon enough, yeah. you won't even see it. But it's one of those songs where he literally I just always tells immediately you the plot. because fuck you, key grips. <laughs> uh, I want to be I want to be a person who stays. All, and reads all the credits. You want to be a person. I want to be a person who does that, but I'm not. Well, you know, have a kid and make them be a best boy grip. Yeah. Um, what I think is frustrating about you leaving, you know, before the credits even roll, is that you th- you're always surprised when a new Marvel movie comes out. <laughs> you're like, I didn't know they were making any more of those. What? It just said Captain America will be back. Can we just talk about Mandy Patinkin for a minute? So... <laughs> So he's great. He's phenomenal in this movie. He's great. Absolutely. He plays Inigo Montoya. He also is. Are you? Are we about to talk about the behind the scenes feature? We watched the behind the scenes feature, and he is. And I've seen interviews before, and I had kind of like pushed it out of my mind, but I, I knew this about him. Like if you watch something like behind the scenes on Homeland or whatever, <laughs> he's a he's a great actor, but he 
is one of those actors who like really talks esoterically about acting. And is there anything worse? Is could you name me name me two inconsequential things that are worse? Don't say like Hitler or something. Say what about when <laughs> you go to the movies, you get popcorn, and then about like halfway through act two, uh, oh, you realize you've got a, a shell like in your Ooh, tooth. That is bad. And you're like, uh, and then act three, the credits. You know, the Marvel stinger comes on uh-huh, uh-huh. and he's still in there. You're on your way home. Uh, 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 mm. And eventually you just can't get it and you just have to go to sleep with it. And then the next morning it's still there. Is that worse? Eventually, like a, a corn stalk just grows mm-hmm. out of your teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's happened. That's been reported. No, I think Mandy Patinkin uh, or a, an actor. Now, can you give our audience who may not have watched the behind the scenes featurette featured on the 20th anniversary <laughs> DVD of The Princess Bride? Can you give them some examples? Oh, well, he, he tells a story which got into the IMDb trivia as well. And it's, it's on a couple other like behind the scenes things I've seen, I've seen about this movie as the anniversaries come and go. <laughs> Is that the only injury he sustained oh. on set was he broke a rib bruised a rib was, he bruised a rib oh is that what don't put words in his mouth he bruised a rib holding in laughter during billy crystal's scenes um, he also says swear to god swear to god hand to god um no you didn't <laughs> you fucking liar uh he also um made the 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 movie about for him fighting uh fighting killing cancer yeah, so he lost his father fifteen or some fifteen or so years before the filming of this movie, or th- whatever. And uh, he, I just realized we're going to sound like assholes. Well, which is it was actually it started out really touching because he was like he really connected to the Enigo Montoya character um, um, because you know he wanted his father back and kind of all that. And then and then he's like, so I walked around set and I was killing cancer, and we're like. What the fuck are you talking about, man? You know, you mock him, but he was uh, nominated for a Nobel Prize in uh, chemistry research. for killing cancer. For his work on set on this movie. <laughs> uh, He's just very actorly and talks about acting in a way that uh, it turns almost anyone off. Yeah. Can we talk about Billy Crystal's part in this? Yes. Um, of course we can. What if I said no? What's, what, are your, what are your general thoughts on Billy Crystal? Here's the thing. I think there are people out there. <laughs> I don't know why. I You're about to go on an anti-Jewish screed. No. Anti-Semitic screed. I prefer. I prefer. If anything, Jews. I'm pro-Semitic. Um, no, I think a lot of people, there is sort of like a backlash to Billy Crystal. I always find Billy Crystal very charming. I laugh at him whenever he's hosting the Oscars. I'm like, oh, thank God they got Billy Crystal again. Yeah. I feel like they always go like five years and they're like, no, we're going to get really hit people. And they're like, fuck, just get Billy Crystal in here. I don't, uh, I don't mind when they go hit, but what, what pisses me off is when they're like, I'm going to get Eminem to host. And then Eminem says the N-word. And they're like, what did you do that for? And you're like, you right. hired Eminem to host. Yeah, it's infuriating because they want Eminem to act like Billy Crystal. Right, yeah. They want Eminem to bring young people and then do, you know, a montage of movie horrible, clips. by the way. That's a really bad idea. Don't do that, Oscar. Um, I like Billy Crystal. Yeah. Um, he's like the best parts of Robin Williams without the energy that makes me exhausted. Mm. Um. 
So, I, I mean, aside from, like, baseball facts that I'm like, Billy, I don't care. Although, you know, 1930s baseball names are funny to me they just are, because yeah. it's like Dr. Seuss talk. I'm just like, right, whatever. Yeah. They're like, Kalaki Kanicki. Sandy Koufax. <laughs> oh. Um, it's from uh, much later. I know, but I don't <laughs> care. Uh, yeah, I like I like Billy Crystal. I think his his shtick gets a little old for me. Like, I it's not like the most refreshing thing, but it's always pretty funny. Like, I mean, it's dated. I mean, it's yeah. that it's very it's perfect in this movie. It's like, like to get second back to generation the, Catskills humor. It's just right, like that yeah. sort of thing, but it works in a lot of ways. And in this one, it works. It's and especially in his like it's a very limited role, and it's like. It's uh, clearly a comic relief role too, and it's is perfect. And Carol Kane has even less to do, and she's she's just kind of a nagging wife kind of character, but she's pretty funny as well. I mean, also one of the jokes. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> you think it'll work? No, um, a miracle. Uh, that is also what one of the uh, running jokes in the book is that he keeps he's talking about this fake culture that doesn't exist the the Florence yeah. that his grandfather was supposedly a part of and where where the Princess Bride story comes from, but Florence are obviously like a made up culture that's just really Magic. analog yeah, yeah. A- analogy yeah, yeah. Uh, they they are uh, an analog for Jews. I mean, they're obviously right. like they sort of speak in a Yiddish tone of voice. Okay. Like everything they say is very like stereotypical, like European Jews. Um, so Miracle Max being played by Billy Crystal as like, as he says in the feature that we watched, he's like, I just pretty much just did an impression of my, my relatives. relatives. Yeah. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. And I, 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 I thought it was spot on. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Everything he does is great. The only injury I sustained while watching this movie was a torn Achilles tendon. I don't know what the fuck happened, but it was really <laughs> had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with it. I laughed so hard, I tore my Achilles tendon. Um, I laughed so hard, I got colorectal cancer. <laughs> and I killed it. Shall we move on to the verdict? I mean, yeah. Let's do it. Sure. Here we are at the verdict. Your inner child is not an idiot. This yeah. movie's great. I mean, <laughs> there was no doubt in my mind, but um, did you... Do I have to say it too? Sure. Your inner child is not an idiot. Did you learn anything new from this watching? No. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I didn't... I mean, I... No, no. What are you talking about? What did you learn? That's what you really want to talk about. No, no, no. I... I, I tried to watch with a more critical eye um, just because, you know, the the whole point of this podcast is like we're trying to like, well, well actually just to watch movies and hang out and talk and hear ourselves talk. I mean, but, that, yeah. but also glory because it's I think the whole nostalgia thing is interesting of like what you think of things that you used to like and how they kind of stay a certain way in your head. But if you go back and watch them, this one, though, I've seen so many times so that it didn't like. It's like a memory that you keep remembering, so it like kind of stays fresh. And uh, that's not how memory works, is it? No, actually, it's though <laughs> that's the exact. No, it just gets worse. <laughs> it's like you know how if you watch a VHS, it just keeps getting better as <laughs> better you watch quality it. until pretty much Robin Wright is in your house performing the Princess Bride. 
Um, yeah, but I, I, I knew I was going to like it. So I tried to just kind of be as objective as you can. And I don't, I mean, it's still great. I mean, we can find yeah. all the things we talked about. There's, there's faults here and there and you can kind of nitpick, but I mean, other than that sort of, I never did really notice that it has a little bit of a, a gully in the middle. It's a right. little bit of a lull. It's not too bad. Really. We're talking about 15 minutes probably. Yeah. Of, I mean, it's not, yeah. and it's not like, Oh, why am I watching this? You, and it doesn't need to be like excised from the movie. Like they could have, you know, you could make improvements. It's just you have this really powerful character in Vicini yeah. that just gets lost all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, I did try and look at it with a critical eye, as you know, cruel as we were to Willow. Um, we weren't that cruel. R.I.P. Um, but I think this movie, uh, for its minor flaws, which are a little Willow, <laughs> uh, for its minor flaws, which are mostly sort of like oh, they have a few plot holes here and there. Um. I think it's it's it succeeds in what it sets out to do, which is tell a very charming love story while also like sort of winking to the camera about yeah, and you then, know tropes and fairy I mean, tales. We can definitely complain about like it is uh, has like in the most general sense has some like sexist tones and just in the sense that like Buttercup has nothing to do and there are no other women like uh, so like but that is also like it kind of. Not that it should be this way, but like it, it's trying to do a fairy tale story, and it's like that's right. I think Buttercup could be better served. I don't think she's yeah. she's underserved rather than like she doesn't like get mistreated. I don't think she's just sort of right. underserved by the script. Other than being named that to is marry. named after her, <laughs> right? Right. What do you guys think? Email us your inner child is an idiot at gmail dot com. What else do you want us to watch? Call us. Leave us a message on our hotline, 615-576-0525. You can find us on Twitter. You can talk to us there at YICIAI. You can find us on Instagram and do whatever people do on Instagram. I don't know. Uh, you can <laughs> get on Facebook, get hacked, look up our page. Yeah, push the get hacked. Push little thumb button. Um, become a patron of a podcast, patreon.com slash you're in a child's an idiot. We want to thank our current patrons, including... Mr. Jacob Grimm. Uh, his honor, the mayor. Jeremy Powell. Joshua Nicholson. Karen Kurd. Larissa Maestro. Dan McIntyre. Ghost in the Burbs. And Jonathan Day. You guys are awesome. We very much appreciate no, your no, no, support. No. You know what? Those guys rock. You know what? Hey, people. People supporting us. You're the GD best. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. Yeah, I'm not afraid to say it. I would be. You're asking, you're damning God. No, you're not fifth grade classmates. That's not how that works. As the credits roll, I'm just going to, I'm just going <laughs> to say a bunch of my favorite quotes. Uh, There's not a lot of money in revenge. MLT. What? Nice mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich. When the mutton's nice and lean <laughs> and the tomato. So perky. Is that what he said? To blave, <laughs> which we all know means to bluff. So you're probably playing cards and he cheated. Also, liar. I mean, that's one. Like, if you call someone a liar, I feel like of our age, they will respond by saying it like Valerie does. Liar! <laughs> Get back, witch. What's you got?